Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-filled discussion for Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-filled discussion for Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Special thanks again to our friends at Marvel and Disney Studio Canada for giving us the opportunity to watch this special early for review and for this discussion. Uh, Now, as I said, this is going to be spoiler-filled, so if you haven't watched Werewolf by Night just yet, now is your opportunity to shield your eyes from the moonlight and go and watch this Marvel special presentation and then come right back in a snap of the neck. (laughs) If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Now joining me for this descent even further into madness, we have my two favorite monster hunters, Darcy, the old demon from hell, Hudson. <laughs> I like that one. Now you sound like an old-timey prospector. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm the old demon from hell. <laughs> uh, and we've got Justin, the jack-o'-lantern, Lawrence. Hello. Hello, Justin. <laughs> Back again with that voice. Um, <laughs> so we're just coming off of our, uh, we just literally finished recording our review, our spoiler-free review, which again, if you've not, Watch the the special presentation and not listen to our review. Go back and do both of those things and come right back because we are just going to get right into it. Uh, I want to start off with the opening fanfare. First off, what did we think of the special presentation logo treatment? Obviously, that's what we're going to be getting later in December with the uh, Guardians Christmas special. Uh, what did you guys think of that? And then what did you think of the the black and white version of the fanfare with those the scratches, scratchy scratch? Uh, the special presentation one kind of made me think of like a news bulletin or something like that at mm. first. Uh, also, didn't really fit in with the, the leading right into that black and white fanfare, which I loved. I think yeah. we talked about uh, Ragnarok, how I enjoyed that like rock uh, version of the the oh, intro yeah. fanfare there. So this like retro horror style of it was great. So I just give me more of this these variations on the fanfare we know and love. I love it. Well, Marvel is known now to kind of use their fanfare as a way to introduce you to the tone, the vibe of the movie. You know, taking their traditional everyone knows and loves fanfare and and kind of going that direction with it so yeah i think it's great that you know we get a a slash that acts as like this hard cut as we are taken into the black and white and we hear that uh that that sort of that classic orchestral style of 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 the marvel fanfare um but i like the the marvel special presentation thing that happens before that i think it's it's kind of cool because the it's almost like what's the uh the bridge that the bifrost yeah yeah, yeah it was, it's gonna, and that takes you to different places, and maybe that's the intent 
of these special presentations is that they kind of pave that way of being less tied to the conventional MCU and that they can have a little more freedom, a little disconnect, you know, because they're an adventure, right? I don't know. That's that's kind of me reading really hard into it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. I love it. I think, I think them using this going forward as their special presentation, I think we're going to get a ton more of these special presentations. And I think that's a great way just to sort of let us know what they are. But then, yeah, changing up the fanfare to fit. I loved how the the traditional you know song sort of gets bent and pitch bent as uh, as the slashes come through i thought that was so good um and of course the music was was done by michael Giacchino, who also directed the movie um i do think that he should have been cast as flaming tuba guy um <laughs> he wasn't and it's funny cuz in the credits you do see like he his credit is sitting next to the image, the silhouette yep. of the flaming uh, tuba guy. But uh, that actually a little little nod here, and and I actually learned about this. Shout out to the movie podcast, and uh, Michael Giacchino brought this up in their interview. But I actually learned that it was David Silverman, um, who's actually an animator and director yeah, yeah. from The Simpsons. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's funny because like. I don't know why, but like a, a character with a fire tuba sounds like something that would be in the Simpsons. In the Simpsons. Like, <laughs> like I could totally see his character straight up just like marching around with a tuba on fire. I don't know. And I, I, I as we said in our review, the bomb sound was <laughs> awesome. I loved it. I, I wanted to see more about it. I hope that character comes back somehow. That's the only character I want to see come back. Uh, but I, I also... Um, the the intro, I think the narration, very Orson Welles, very Rod Sterling, yes. mm-hmm. but also very classic horror yeah, and ho- classic right. Hollywood. It's but the words so on par. The words, the known universe with its heroes and marvels. I was like, yo, is this straight up the? Is this one of the Watchers? Like, is this a different Watcher that we might be hearing from right now that watches over like this part of the multiverse? I, you know what I mean? That's it, the vibe I got. That's. Yeah. A horror fan watcher. It makes sense. We, so cool. we all like different things as, as geeks out there. So what's to say the watchers right. don't have different uh, preferred genres in the in the it. wide multiverse? <laughs> I love it. I well, love all it. watchers do, Darcy. Come on. We're all watchers <laughs> at, at the end of the day. I, I can't wait to, to meet one of the watchers that's into like really watching like really freaky stuff. <laughs> like really freaky <laughs> things. Like what is that watcher going to sound like? He's going to be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in the one that likes to watch the musical renditions of things. So. Dude, I would yeah. totally <laughs> dude a musical watcher. Let's go. That would be so much fun. Um, but yeah, I think I, I the narration I, I liked off the top because it at least establishes again, we, we were talking about it in the spoiler free, how it, loosely connects itself while also being removed from everything MCU. So it is acknowledging the existence of these heroes and the things that they fight. But on the other side of that, there's something else that we, we haven't seen. And this is our foray into that, that world and that introduction into what we will see inevitably show up in other movies. And I even think something like Moon Knight was already kind of hinting at Right. There is a supernatural quality to to that. We got a little bit more of that in, in obviously Doctor Strange uh, and the multiverse of madness. But here, you know, it does also beg the question, though, where in the timeline does this take place? Because if they are referencing Avengers at the top and you see the visual of, of the originals, 
then you know where does this take place and what where in the timeline that that's the one thing at this point of when we're recording it no one has established obviously i have some thoughts on that i do want to maybe save that conversation just for a little bit later just because well just because it kind of goes into my theory and justin i was gonna have theories at the end okay are you hosting this uh <laughs> I, I did want to also bring up uh the drawing of ulysses bloodstone we see there's a moment where he's using a bloodstone on uh sasquatch who shout out to our first member of alpha flight making it into the mcu officially even if it's in a drawing i i count it i count it as as yeah. canon i mean i, I kind of look like a wendigo to me as well which is again another more mystical but still canadian uh <laughs> full firm to fight <laughs> yeah pretty dope um and then so going from from monsters here let's talk about ted we got to talk about Ted. I think we, 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 as soon as we wrapped recording our, our spoiler free review, it was like, we didn't talk about Ted. And it's like, well, because there's really not much we can talk about without spoiling. I think the way that they sort of transformed what my expectations were for Ted uh, was awesome. And I, I love that they sort of play with the meta humor with, with Elsa kind of being like, really? Like, Ted? His name is Ted. Um, Darcy, I want you to kind of maybe walk us through this. Take us through the multiversal journey. I know you know a little bit more about Man-Thing uh, than, the, than the two of us. So I'd love to kind of get your insight onto as to like, who is Man-Thing? What's his deal? Uh, and how does that kind of play into this interpretation? Yeah. <laughs> What's his thing, uh, man? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this Man-Thing, Ted, that we get in this series is... From, so what I can see, a far departure from the, the comics. Uh, in the comics, uh, it's funny that we have Man-Thing popping up now while She-Hulk's going on because uh, the doctor, Ted Salas, uh, that becomes Man-Thing, was working on a team uh, a team of scientists, I think it was actually under the uh, product funding of AIM, to reproduce the super soldier serum. So very oh, wow. relevant uh, topic in I mean, at least today's MCU with the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then She-Hulk as well. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see that that character is being brought in right now. But going further than that, his, he ends up becoming this, uh, this man thing because he is trying to be, uh, he ends up being, you know, set out for assassination by AIM. And in his fleeing from them, he decides to inject himself with the super soldier serum that he came up with to try and give him a better chance of fighting. But then he goes and crashes his car into a swamp that happens to be a nexus of all realities and a very strong magical lay point. And basically the the magic of science and then the magic of the mystics and the multiverse basically came together to create this sentient swamp being with oh. the memories of Ted Salas. So he wow. is a very mindless creature that is very gentle and usually ends up finding himself in these scenarios where he has to play hero, but he doesn't really remember who he is. So very oh. different in this series because he at least remembers he is Ted and still seems to have some very human man mannerisms. But yeah, his he's wicked in this series. That's crazy because that's uh, he's he's he is such a departure from what you described. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like. His and Jack's relationship, I loved it. Very Rocket and Groot-esque, I felt. Like, I was like, mm. uh, even though Jack is so much nicer than, than Rocket <laughs> is, like, Rocket will be like, you big dumb tree or whatever. Like, that's Rocket's thing. But, but like, Jack and him, I was, I was so happy. Like, I was like, wait, he's hugging him. Like, what? Yeah. That was the moment that I realized that I could trust Jack. Because, again, going into this, you're not really sure, who, sure. who's yeah. the good guy, who's the bad guy. Having seen Elsa, I'm like, is she going to be the one that we're going to be rooting for? But that moment of their connection was just so good. And that made me fall in love with the character and realize this guy 
knows knows who he is and and is a human despite being a giant man thing. Totally. Yeah, and I I, I referenced it in our spoiler free. There's a specific moment where there's the tonal shift from the horror element to suddenly this this heartfelt moment, and it is the mm-hmm. moment that we're talking that's about when, when we yeah. see Jack confront Ted through the bushes, and it felt very meaningful and you know like you described Nate, like a very Groot and Rocket sort of thing. But you know, if Jack is Rocket, he's way nicer, where way more yeah. charming. Um, yeah. But that that was kind of like the nice reveal because, like you said. It, you don't really know if you can trust Jack. And when you get to this point and you see that interaction, he's there to save Ted. I just love that. I, 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 this is the heart that Jacquino was able to infuse into this, you know, very overt horror movie. Right. And I mean, again, that being a fan of the comics and familiar with the man thing, his whole, the tagline for his whole series and every time he's appeared or talks about is whatever knows fear burns at his touch. And we see that eventually throughout this, but from this first instance, we immediately know that Jack isn't afraid of him. And as again, as the comic fan, I'm like, I immediately know that these two have a connection. And again, they beautifully build upon that as we explore the rest of the special. Yeah. See, yeah. I, 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 okay, the whole aspect of like burning at their touch, I, I guess that's what they were sort of going for. But it kind of almost looks like it was adapted to what we what we've seen in the MCU of characters being pruned and it really looked like they were being pruned and I I, I'm wondering if that was part of it the other aspect to it that I was also wondering because Darcy you had kind of briefly mentioned in one of our passing conversations that like he's like a conduit of the multiverse Mm -hmm. and I was almost wondering if he was like like slamming his fist down on them and like ripping them apart as certain parts of their bodies were being sent into different universes through him like that's kind of where i was getting with that i don't know that would be cool and uh, i'm not sure if that is what they were going for it's just from the comics uh he he can tell the emotion sense the emotions of everything around him and Mm -hmm. when he senses negative emotions like fear and hatred and anger he secretes this acidic um, like substance acro- across his body and so that's why we see his footprints first smoking is because everyone oh, in this whoa. hedge or Didn't maze is afraid and that's setting off his you know his innate ability to, to burn things basically so that's you know, it's cool it's a very re- it's a really cool uh, power very in line with uh in kind of Ghost Rider's penance stare in that it's all about the the person being affected that uh, determines the scale of the um, well, injuries or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very cool power to explore. Yeah, That's an interesting parallel given what uh, Jack has to go through with balancing his own beast and, and understanding the, the powers that he has. Like there's a lot of uh, intention by the sounds of it of putting man thing in this that might hint at more given a, maybe a super soldier formula uh, storyline or even something that is of a nexus. I loved what Nate dropped there a little bit more of like a, you know, a, a, a multiversal access point. Cause we know that that kind of already exists with someone like um, America Chavez. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if yeah. his power is taking out, like he's he's basically pruning those people when we see him kill them. That's interesting because we saw pruning like devices that obviously weren't that. But right. what if they harnessed Man Thing's power and Ted's powers and somehow infused it into oh. the idea? And maybe this is <laughs> maybe go. this is more of like, well, like and also just maybe how 
the sort of time displacement devices would come to be in effect because of the certain elements. So that also makes me think that maybe this storyline could be much older. Because mm-hmm. I, I got to say, like, I know it's something that we were talking about and hinting at when the trailer came out, that potentially there's a TVA thing and they never really address it. But it's so clear. Like, I, you cannot put these characters in here and they riddle them in like the background. TV agents. They yeah. look like TVA agents. So, like, yeah. is the TVA derivative of whatever these security guards were? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they like version one or very early version that Kang would inevitably replicate for a TVA because he, he saw that? I don't know. There's a lot of questions just in that that they never address and they never get around. But anyways, all this to say that everything about Man-Thing being in this and as Ted was absolutely fantastic. And I'm I'm glad they took an approach where he was he was the heart. Him yeah. and the Jack's relation, they, they were the heart of this movie. I loved it. I'm glad they're okay by the end of it. Um, yeah. I, now, we're not going to take too long on this because I don't think it'll actually yield anything. Darcy, I, my eyes were darting around when they were when they were sitting next to all those uh, those dead bodies in the crypt, and uh, like the only one I saw was um, Jacob Howell McDougal, uh, July eighteen sixty one, March nineteen oh seven, and I was like looking it up. I'm like, that sounds like Howlett. Like I was like, is that is that is this James Howlett? No, but it's not. So like, I tried looking into it, and I couldn't find anything. Was there anything you found in that scene that that possibly? I don't know. I thought they might hide a name in there or something like that. Yeah. And again, not really. They're trying to make it out to be the Crypt of the Bloodstone, so I can see it being more people who related to that side. Oh, of the family. okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah, okay. no, I didn't. There were again, my eyes were jumping everywhere, and I was trying to pick up everything. But this one, again, being very self-contained, doesn't seem to have that many like Easter eggs or references sprinkled into it. So it was well, kind of refreshing to that for that. I, I I agree with you and I disagree with you if you if you want to be uh if you really want to push it and be a, a big nerdy geeky Marvel fan uh the bloodstone let's let's talk about it uh, is it red chaos magic what's the deal with the bloodstone it if, if it's anything like the comics it is from a meteorite so space uh stuff basically uh, I'm wondering because it's the red was so hev- like drawn upon and, and like heavily focused as the only color throughout the entirety of this presentation, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it maybe is like a splinter of the reality shard or something like that, or something that was yeah, derived right. exactly. from the reality gem. So that's yeah. Yeah. again, that's speculation territory. The in but the comics, the bloodstone looks the same and has the same powers and is just a meteorite. So it could just very well uh, be space rock. Well, so. again, we know that we know that Wanda comes from. A, a lineage of magic and a, and a magic existence could it not somehow connect back to to the bloodstone to to a certain degree other than just you know uh the 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 dark hold you know what i mean like the dark hold was obviously very well, key to her as well so you say dark hold and that's just going back to the main character of this series uh jack russell in the comics his family is plagued by lycanthropy and uh while it was dormant for a while it was revived when one of his ancestors re- uh transcribed the dark hold into his diary and basically had a bound version of the dark hold and was praying to Cathan and that rewoke the the lycanthropy co- curse in his family so a lot of jack russell's origins in the comics are heavily associated with wondegor and with the dark hold so i wouldn't be surprised if that if the Bloodstone turns out to be an extension of that, it'd be a really cool way to tie stuff together. Like this, the MCU does like doing is having 
kind of merging certain backstories to make it a more efficient or effective plot device. So it'd be very interesting to see if we go to what back to Wondegore and hear the name uh, Rusoff pop up or Ru- Russell instead. Yeah. Well, I also mm. wonder if if the the reason why you might take Wanda out of play for the time being and maybe bring her back is so that she can be more associated with this side of the MCU and with the sort of the dark magic supernatural because I think Multiverse of Madness very much transitioned her to that based on their sort of portrayal and they're also hinting at other things obviously with maybe a mutant DNA that's in there but the reality of of what the Scarlet Witch is and and being so derivative of dark dark magic and you know chaos magic I'm, I'm wondering if if that this is this is sort of the way that they can kind of bring her back and make her a part of this side of the mcu and have more play there and significance with characters in and around it like i i think there was rumors long ago that with the introduction of blade and you know uh black knight that they could eventually come together with you know moon knight and werewolf by night and and have to go against wanda as like Whoa. the ultimate baddie Right. And that's the one that they're trying to over overcome. So I don't know. I'm just wondering at the same time with all this this layering of, of magic, there has to be a significance because that red was so like intense. And if it may be a reality stone, if it's from space, like I love that. It could be it could be part of the reality, the reality stone. Right. So mm. interesting. Very scintillating. Um, I wanted to just kind of move along here to our favorite moment no holds barred you can be as spoilery as you want uh what was maybe your favorite moment from this special elsa's fight scenes were really good they were so well choreographed we talked about in the last in this uh spoiler free review just they were so cinematic everything about them was like everything served a purpose and that that first one that i'm remembering is when uh they're outside the crypt and she uses the she's fighting the guy with the crossbow mounted on his arm yeah that was just i was on the edge of my seat for that whole fight like how is this gonna go dude I when she it. chops it off i was like it's, hell yeah, yeah she, that's no, when i'm like yeah, oh, no holds those bar, bro. Movies. yeah no holds <laughs> bar. they they made it pretty clear in that that little group huddle that they weren't gonna hold back just because she was ulysses daughter like mm-hmm. hell no it's she's fair game and yeah her her fighting style felt very familiar to what we have seen from like the widows and but I'm wondering if that's also intentional because she does make reference to training right I believe uh, Marissa Ooh. says to her you know she, she haven't been trained for so long and she's not trained by him and I'm wondering who who was training Elsa? she's the who first was... black widow <laughs> well, we man, I'm just wondering. It, it just yeah. it just begs the question of if you know we we see as as you guys are pointing out such a strong uh, sensibility of fighting and and yeah. and she's kind of like perceived as like this this very strong she's she's obviously very well crafted in in the fighting techniques so i'm wondering who's training her that would that, that's an interesting question to ask super dope and like it's just so cool that again like we're getting these characters like werewolf by night like i think man thing oddly enough is probably the most well known or at least like i knew of him but werewolf by night elsa bloodstone ulysses bloodstone like i didn't know any of these um i think for me there's the there's two moments i'll quickly mention one just because we brought up ulysses though the 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 only real comedy i think in this is 
is when she opens up that they open up that casket and he starts like doing that Disney puppeteer haunted mansion basically. Oh, dude, yeah, Tales <laughs> so of the Crypt Keeper. It was sort of so vibes. so yeah. good, and like the, the joke that he you know at the end is just like so good. Like I I, I well, was I love, just like cackling the entire time. I love how when she's walking by and she walks behind him we're following her we see that on the back of the crate you know this side up this side up, and it yeah. almost is like mm-hmm. it's almost like a peek behind the curtain to the theatricality the the sort of stage presence you know what i mean when you're when you're behind the scenes working on a production that obviously that group of hunters does not see and they don't really understand what it is Dude. that inevitably happens but it was pretty funny it was it definitely made me chuckle and the fact that that man thing just you know when he burns just, her and then he just chucks her into her, her her dead husband it's just and the head rolls toward the camera brutal like, dude yeah so well done yeah. um, again a huge departure for the character of ulysses and uh, yeah like in the comics he was a very righteous uh monster hunter and ends up dying when the bloodstone is ripped out from him or taken out of him uh by a bunch of conspiracy theorists or conspirators against him uh so seeing him to be this Leader of a secret cabal, I'm wondering if this bloodstone maybe is more, you know, Darkhold related and has that, you know, kind of sinking its its little fangs into whoever is wielding it type thing. So I guess I guess we'll see if we we'll see if we see if it pops up again. Maybe Elsa might be a bit more bloodthirsty than she was before. So mm. Ooh. she's drawn to it. I think for me though, the the number one and and I this was sealed for me the second time I watched it would be when. The door is slowly closing and the camera pans towards as like Jack is like ripping through these guards and the blood splatters onto the camera lens. Like it it just felt like if this really was a movie from like the 30s and 40s, that this moment would be studied in film classes like as like, oh, that was the werewolf by night thing that you did in that. Yeah, you know, so like it was so cool. And I, I love that the scene gets darker and darker, both in a literal and figurative sense because it emphasizes the core aspects that we've been talking about with this film of like of the classic films which is sometimes it's scarier to imagine what's going on rather than straight up see it and i love that the Mm -hmm. moment it, it does such a great job of weaving between both seeing the action and hiding it from the audience like going back and forth it's it's honestly it's the for me it was the highlight of the entire presentation it was so cool so yeah, that was my that was my favorite moment as well. The tracking right. shot, it it was everything classic horror. It's a tracking shot. It's heavy uh, shadows and high contrast. To your point, it's exactly uh, meant to lead more on fear of not being able to see everything. Is is really where it strikes a chord. And yeah, that's that was my favorite uh, my favorite moment from from the movie as well. Very cool. I mean, another little one for me. A yeah. great little feel good moment as as Man Thing hops through the wall and runs into the distance, roaring happily. I, I did was like, oh, yeah. Chalk went up for the good guys at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. And 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 to see, you know, I think um, I'm looking at pictures of Elsa Bloodstone from the comics online, very much like a, a lot of red, a lot of red going on. So then when they oh, yeah. switched she it li- to color. She to the name. <laughs> right, yeah. And she's wearing that, like, bright red jacket red, that you're like, oh, I thought that was a black jacket. And she looks phenomenal. Um but uh, but let's kind of you know as we're kind of rounding out this uh, this discussion, let's get to the end here. Where where do we go from here, and when do you think we could see these characters again? Like, how does this play into the MCU at large? I know we've kind of been speculating as we've been going through, but do you guys have any other ideas? I, I was as I was saying, I think 
I think it it's literally less about where it's going to go, but what it's opened the door to. And I think mm. it has really pushed open the door to the supernatural to make it really more interesting for when characters like Blade show up. You know, there's already been all of these like little subtle hints and elements, but I think Werewolf by Night is like your full full step into the supernatural and really embracing that as part of the MCU. So it's I, I think it's just about opening the door, less about where we might see these things. I think fa- like the Bloodstone's going to come up. I think Elsa's definitely going to come back. And it's without a doubt, we're going to see, you know, Werewolf by Night Jack come back as well. And mm-hmm. Man-Thing as well. Like it's without a doubt, we're going to see them all come back. Um, and sure, as an introduction for those characters, that's great. But I don't even really care. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm just excited for when they do pop up, right? Yeah. And when they do show their faces, or maybe we do hear something about like Man Thing and a doc, you know, a doctor named Ted who, you know what I mean? Like we we find out those elements because we've already met the character, even if we don't see him, but we get some sort of indication of his existence and maybe of Jack. Like I just I like that idea. I like that we've opened the door to some new characters that can pop in whenever. Interesting. Mm-hmm. If if anything, I feel like Man Thing would be more likely to pop up next to Howard the Duck in whatever future project he has. Because <laughs> again, from the comics, that he's one of Howard's best friends because he's the only one who understands what Howard's going through as he's give stuck me in that reality. as a special presentation. It, right, the Doctor Man Thing. I would That's love the next that one. But I, I totally agree with Justin. Where this is more just an introduction to this the supernatural side and giving us these characters where that could pop up in anything from Moon Knight to Loki yep. to Blade yep. type thing. It's it's more just trying to get more characters that we can we are in, already know their story or at least a little bit about them before they drop them into another series. I'm uh, I'm kind of right there with both of you. My my thought and theory as I was watching this uh, is this is a branched timeline or like its own pocket reality. I feel like this this is something that very much could be happening at the same time as our current MCU, but these characters are sort of trapped in this sort of world of hunters and monsters, and it's and it's and and they don't know uh, about the the heroes that you know the the watcher that we spoke about, the narrator at the beginning of this. You know they don't really know about them, uh, and I feel like you know Man Thing or Ted being so integral to the multiverse that we would see these characters through Loki. And Justin, I-, I love the idea that it's possible that this is the 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 area on the timeline that those agents came from or that the the technology was discovered. Like, I, I love that, that may- maybe that's where they base their armor off of. Like, even just the little things like that. Because I think with, with Loki Season 2, I do think they have an opportunity to kind of nail down some of this uh, origin yeah. or history of the TVA unravel um, and unravel it and, and go further with it. And they don't need to, to focus on this, but just as a way to sort of be like, yeah, that's that's where that little connection is. Um, and I do think, obviously, like you guys were saying, Moon Knight um, being so connected in the comics with Werewolf by Night, I think that's where we're going to probably see, I think, the next moment that we see them. I also think that this could be a version of Hell, I think after watching Moon Knight and understanding that there's mm. different heavens, I think there's another side to it. Uh, and I think Mephisto's mm. there. No, um, <laughs> I, I do. But I, I do think that there. it's possible that if the MCU can have multiple heavens, it can have multiple hells. And I think this is maybe one of them as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, because the only other thing that sort of got me thinking about this 
in terms of the timeline. And don't get me wrong, I love that they keep it vague. Like, that was one of the positives from our spoiler-free review is, like, how this doesn't really have a time or date stamp on it necessarily. Um, but the fact that the fact that Jack was like to Ted, he's like, let's get sushi. I was like, I, I looked into sushi, and I was like, when, did, when was sushi popularized in the United States? And apparently it wasn't popularized until the 1960s. And so that's where part of my brain sort of thinks, like, well, if this pocket reality is sort of themed or set in the 40s or 30s but then they're referencing stuff from the 60s like is Jack from the 60s like I, I don't know so it, it just felt very ambiguous to me in terms of like their their timeline but also like that line was very I just was like that doesn't sound like something somebody from the 30s or 40s would necessarily say I think that's because it isn't from 30s or 40s like right. I mentioned to Justin off air that Ulysses being immortal would have very timeless tastes. It would be very oh, okay. like vintage and, and almost classical in terms of his manner there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think one of the two things that kind of stood out to me in terms of the dating this would have been first off his explosive. Explosives right? that small yeah. that were very concussive don't exist until Tony Stark era, basically. True. Like that was Stark Industries <laughs> tech in his hand. Yeah. And also later on, when they go, do to, uh, go turn to color, we do see the phonograph playing the record there. But on like behind the log that they're sitting on, there's also a payphone that looks like easily eighties or nineties era Bell payphone. So Damn. to me, that's that's <laughs> Darcy, kind of here solidifying I, here, it Darcy, is. Here I am looking thing. up the origins of when sushi was popularized in the United States. <laughs> You're finding yeah, the sorry, more obvious ones. That's yeah, I'm so like, hey, sushi. That's that that is very current and, and very yeah. of of the this era. But I'm like, there's also a payphone behind it too. That's that wow. was what I drew to drew my eye to. So yeah, Darcy, I yeah, don't know if you could, if you could blow my mind anymore. Whether it's the 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 steaming footprints off of Ted. Uh, or catching those little details. That's awesome, dude. Um, do we have any <laughs> other any other things that we wanted to shout out before we wrap this spoiler-filled discussion? I, I was I was just going to jump in and say I, I kind of agree that maybe slightly with both of you that this probably takes place in and around the Howard Stark era more so than, more so than Tony Stark as being the, uh, the timeline. And I'm wondering if... Maybe that's why we got the opening narration, Nate. Very similar. Like, again, using the the medium of, of storytelling as the pocket of time, I think is really integral. And I think having that open narration with a voice, it could be a watcher. It could be someone yeah. telling us about a, a, a different part within the world that we know that exists that we, we didn't know exists, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of, of what we're seeing feels very aged like it's it's old school but not that far from where we have been so maybe we're in a, a, a howard stark era rather than maybe the tony stark era interesting interesting well i certainly uh my brain is tingling now and i'm gonna i want to rewatch <laughs> it yet again to just catch those little details uh but that is it we hope you enjoyed this spoiler filled discussion for Werewolf by Night. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write you know, into the show with your thoughts on this special presentation or any of the movies or shows we cover, uh, well, I'm going to use a payphone, I guess, to, to reach out <laughs> to Justin to let you know how you can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. 
Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes. We got a lot of interviews, you know, for the spooky season. We got Hocus Pocus 2 interviews uh, with the director as well as a lot of the cast. We also have an interview with Michael Giacchino as he talks about his time composing for Pixar's Lightyear. Very, very cool stuff. Definitely check those out here on podcast services as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, just honestly, there's so much going on. We have watch clubs happening every single Friday and, and for She-Hulk and Andor. Um, and we've got some, uh, some reviews out recently with Hocus Pocus 2, as well as Amsterdam. Uh, so click on all the things, like all the things, you know, give a five-star review if you don't mind. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Justin Darcy, for today's uh spoiler scary spooky sp- uh, special presentation <laughs> discussion and as we say love ya laters peace <laughs>